welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, I knew I was going to preach this sermon on June 17th, 2020. That's when I knew that I was going to preach this sermon, and it took until now that I felt like it was the right time to preach it. And if you remember, at that time, COVID was in full force. Uh, We had just reopened the church. If you remember, we had just reopened the church. Uh, Crowds were limited, and um, at that time, we were still praying, God, I pray that our church, as we open, is not part of a super spreader event. And praise God, we never were part of that. Um, the economy was stalled. Our, our, it, was just, it was just a season. There was a lot of fear that was going on. There was just fear in the air. And in the midst of this, our uh, facilities director, Scott Olson, had died uh, after a courageous battle against cancer. And we had prayed for him and prayed for him. And on the 17th, that was the day that we had his funeral. It was a very unusual June day because I believe it was 97 or 98 degrees that day. And we decided that we needed to have this funeral. We didn't know how to handle a funeral in COVID, but we knew we couldn't have it inside. So we were trying to figure out what to do. So we actually had the funeral outside across the street from our Apple Valley campus at the gravesite. There were about 250 people there. And we were outside sweating, but it was the first time many of us had even been in a group that large and people were showing up to honor him and to remember the life that he lived and the, just to say to Leslie, we're there with you. She's, she's on our staff as well. And so we were there and Leslie got up and shared and she gave a revelation in that moment and she shared something that was so strong in that moment. It was just a, an awakening to me. And in that moment, I was like, that needs to be a sermon. That needs to be developed further I need to share this. So I'm going to read a little bit of what she has. And I'm also going to read a, a ton of scripture tonight, uh, today. But I just want you to know that, that this was one of those things that just hit me. And, and I'll just read what she said. So she said, we were asking God for more time. She said, we were asking God for an extension of days. And she says this, we moved through those early days. The Holy Spirit very, very clearly spoke to my heart. And he said, Leslie, do you know what Lazarus's miracle was? It was simply a miracle of more time. She shares that. Like, she's praying. She's like, God, give Scott more time. God, give Scott more time. And the Holy Spirit speaks and said, I gave Lazarus more time. God gave Lazarus more time. And it was just a miracle of more time. She said, I countered back to God with bewilderment. And he spoke again, not an audible voice, just a thought with such clarity and providence that it simply couldn't have been my own. I gave Lazarus more time, Leslie, but he did eventually die. Well, this is no hidden secret in Scripture. It was a word spoken to me to hold in my heart in this season. Over the next months, I was able to see that we were living on the gift of Lazarus time. Scott and I had our eyes open to see these gifts that God was giving to us. 
She goes on to say this. She said, in this world of complexity with goodness and evil growing up together around us, God is here every single minute. He hates the evil that happens to his kids, but we have to choose him. We have to move toward him and ask him, call out to him again and again. She said, I watched Scott do this at the Mayo as he shared his faith with every single person that entered the room. He heard God ask and he responded even to the point of making sure that the chaplain at Mayo knew the gospel. Sometimes you got to check up on those chaplains. I'm just saying, all right. Even when he struggled, he would say to me or text me. Again, I'm reading what, back, what Leslie said there. Even when he struggled, he would say to me or text me, please pray over me right now. Pray for peace. She closed out by saying this at the funeral. She said, I wanted to share these moments because I think we all face them daily. The choice to do or believe the right thing. We live in a culture that cripples us with decision fatigue, but we can't get carried away by those waves. We have to plant our feet to listen for the voice of God. There is so much blessing in the action of obedience. I want people to know that we learned we need to choose him in each and every moment. She went on to say her husband was that man that was not defined by his circumstances he was defined by the choices he made in those circumstances. He lived for Jesus with his Lazarus time. And it just hit me. It was so insightful, so inspiring. Living on Lazarus time, that God gave Lazarus an extension of life, but eventually he died. And what did he do with that extension? We're all living on Lazarus time. Every single one of us is living on Lazarus time. We're all going to die. This world is going to end for each of us. It's going to end for each of us. And what are we going to do with our Lazarus time? And if you've had a near-death experience, how many know you live a little differently? I mean, you live a little differently. I mean, I was going through our family, and I was just thinking like this. We have a lot of our family living on Lazarus time. My mom, uh, over 30 years ago, had a bypass surgery. I believe it was double bypass, and has been living on Lazarus time. The, the medical world has given her an extension. Sometimes you get it through medicine. Sometimes you get it through a miracle. I was thinking about this. My brother Rick and, my, and myself had heart attacks within months of each other. I have three stents in my heart. I, I'm living on Lazarus time. I wake up every day and I'm realizing I'm living on Lazarus time. My brother Roger was in a head-on collision, broke his neck, crushed his skull uh, in a coma, had to come back out, learn how to walk and to eat and all these things. He's still today living on Lazarus time. Think about it. You probably have a story. I mean, I was just with uh, Greg Mundus, a friend of mine. He heads up the Assemblies of God World Missions, and he was one of the first people in America to get COVID and go on a ventilator. He was in Missouri, and he was one of the first people to get COVID and to not be able to breathe, and they put him on a ventilator, and for 40 days, he was in a coma on a ventilator, and we as a church and as a nation interceded and prayed for him to live and after 40 days, he came out of the coma. I was with him last week, and he said, I just feel like I'm, I'm living on renewed time. Like, what does God want me to do with this time? And we started talking about, you're living on Lazarus time. He's like, I'm living on Lazarus time. We, we just have, we, we all are living on Lazarus time. I mean, you don't know the story, and I know this. Not everybody knows the story. So I'm going to go there, and I'm going to read it. And like I said, I'm going to read a lot here today. In John chapter 11, verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. 
So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Uh, are you going there again? Isn't that interesting? Disciples are like, um, Jesus, by the way, um, they're trying to kill you. Do you, really, uh, do, do you want to go back there? We don't want to go back. Do you want to go back? Jesus is like, I do. I'm going back. Jesus never let fear of man stop him, and neither should you. Okay, continuing on, let's go down to verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Martha arrived, again, I said it's a lot of scripture. When Martha arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them and he, they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry at arriving as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Wow, that's just an amazing thought. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were there with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. I had to read that. I thought about summarizing it, but I love God's word too much. Couple of things, couple of things. God's time. Now, these are not the main point of the sermon, but I can't miss them. God's timing and our timing are not the same. Jesus stays a few days and it's so confusing to everybody. And I'll tell you this, if you serve Jesus long enough, you will understand his timing and your timing are not the same, all right? It will confuse you, okay? Um, Jesus can handle your if onlys. That's why I said if only, if only. He can handle your if onlys, but you gotta let go of your if onlys and trust Jesus, all right? I love that Jesus cried. I won't dwell on that, but I love that he cried because it shows humanity. It shows compassion. It shows a realness. It didn't just go like a robot. He had compassion and he felt the pain. I love this too, that the four days is significant. They put that in there that he was dead for four days and that was significant because the Jewish people believed that the soul of the person that died for three days would try to come back into the body. For three days would try to get back in, but four days it's over. For three days, there'd be a, a hope that maybe 
somebody could come back, but 40, not, not a chance. So that's important that that's there. And then I, I stressed the verse 25, because the only reason we can have Lazarus time, let me read it again, is Jesus says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So whether you've had a near-death experience or not, you have life. Ephesians talks about that God has moved us from death to life. When we say yes to Jesus, we move from death to life, and we are living on a new time frame. A new clock has started. We're living on this resurrection life time clock, if you will. Now, the Bible gives us a glimpse of how Lazarus used his time, and so that's where I want to focus today. And I want to look at this and contrast it to another person in the Bible that got a life extension. So Lazarus, we see this, that he gets this life extension. He's he's back from the dead. And the Bible tells us this about Lazarus. All that was just the introduction, all right? The Bible tells us this about Lazarus. John chapter 12, verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. You may not realize this, but Lazarus was so effective living on Lazarus time that the leaders wanted to kill him. I mean, could you imagine? You were already dead. Jesus (laughs) brings you back from the dead and now there's a bounty on your head. The only reason there was a bounty was because he wouldn't shut his mouth. He's like, hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. He did it. He's the one. I was dead. He's, you know, can you imagine? He was so effective. And I just want to share this with you. If you and I are living on Lazarus time, if you've, if you've actually been given an extension through me, like my heart stents or, or you beat cancer or you beat something or you've had a miracle in your life, you are living on like double Lazarus time. Don't close your mouth. Open your mouth. And even if you didn't have that, you you were dead and now you're alive and you should be out there talking and sharing and you should be so effective that people are like, we got to shut that person up. (laughs) Praise God, they don't want to kill us, but they wanted to kill him. And they're like, they're coming after him. Because here's the thing, miracles are hard to argue with. Now, I cannot believe your miracle. I can do that. But it's hard for me to argue against your miracle. Imagine Lazarus. I was dead. Well, like, were you dead? I mean, were you like mostly dead? I mean, because there's a difference between mostly dead and dead. I mean, I, I mean and no, no, I was dead, dead. Like I was four days dead. I was stinky dead. Ask my sister, either one. I was dead. Okay. And so there, there are, you can, you can argue, but you know, you, it's like, how do you argue? Like, okay, he was dead. They're, they're all saying he was dead. So you might leave pondering, but share your miracle. Can I tell you this? Share your miracle. Share your miracle. Who were you before Christ found you? Share your miracle. You're on Lazarus time right now. We all are. I mean, God took you from death to life. Share your miracle. Maybe you were addicted and God set you free. Share your miracle. Maybe you were materialistic and you were caught up into it. And all of a sudden, God set you free. It's changed your life. Share your miracle. After I had my heart attack in 2014 and the three stones put in, I couldn't help but share my miracle. 
the whole time, I mean, every time, every, we'd go out to eat and the server would come up, what do you want to eat? And I'd be like, uh, anything that tastes good because a couple of weeks ago, I almost died. And my family would be like, oh, here he goes again. All right. <laughs> It's like, I had a heart attack. I didn't do anything. And it, yeah, and, but I love Jesus and I knew I was going to heaven and, I, and, I, and I'm going to make the most of the time that I've got. And, and you should know him too, you know, and, and, and I'll have whatever you just suggested. All right. You know, that, I, I was just sharing it. You have to share the miracle over and over. Be so effective. Lazarus was so effective, they wanted to take him out. If you're living on Lazarus time, another thing I want to tell you, is you need to share your time. Your time's not your own anymore. Like you're, you're given a life extension. You are now living in the life that Jesus Christ has given you. Share your time. I love this. Uh, this Friday night, I was at our, uh, with our bunch of people from our church at the street team with the inner city church, uh, Minneapolis with the Life Center. I was at the street team and I got assigned to Merwin's Liquor Store outside there in front of Merwin's. And I was there with the other team and we were out there in front with hot dogs and water and prayer cards and clothes and people were buzzing in and out of Merwin's and, and, and we were praying with people and, and some people didn't want prayer, but other people were weeping and wanting, but we were there. And, and here's the thing that hit me. The, the, there were two bus drivers for the Life Center and they said, we used to live in the Drake Hotel, the homeless shelter. We used to be strung out on, on uh, alcohol and drugs, but Jesus Christ set us free. And now we give our Friday nights to driving the bus to the Drake, to driving our, the bus to Merwin's to drop people off. And you know what they were saying? I'm living on Lazarus time and Friday nights belong to Jesus now. I'm gonna use it, I'm gonna go back to the same homeless shelter and bring them to church. You share your time. You can't stop talking about what God's done when you're living on Lazarus time. Another thing, like, now let me just, you, you, you steward your resources for God differently. Like, when you're living on Lazarus time, things don't mean as the same as they did before you were living on Lazarus time. Before Jesus gave you the extension, like, things, it just changes. You steward your resources differently when you're living on Lazarus time. Now, let me interject this other person that I want to talk about that got an extension. So pause on Lazarus for a minute and let's look at another person that got a life extension, which by the way, we have multiple people that Jesus brought back from the dead. Um, Jairus' daughter, we have um, the widow's son, but this is an Old Testament one of somebody that was given a life extension, but they lived the opposite of Lazarus. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse one, we hear about a man by the name of Hezekiah the king. It says, about that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill, and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos went, Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order, for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Can you imagine that? That's a message you don't want to hear. The prophet comes in, get your house in order. You are going to die. And Hezekiah hears this message and the Bible gives us an incredible, just like I would like right there in the moment. It says, when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. But before Isaiah had left the middle courtyard, this message came to him from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestors, David, says. 
I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed and go to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and the city from the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my honor and for the sake of my servant, David. He's 39 years old. He gets a death sentence. He has a boil or something wrong. We don't know where it's located, but we know he has something with his skin and it's going to kill him. He repents. He's like, God, please save my life. And God does something miraculous, gives him a 15-year extension. And the Bible tells us right after this, he gets a 15-year extension. The Assyrians are there. They're protected from them. And in his 15-year extension, instead of being so bold for God that people want to kill him, instead of like being all about the things of God, Hezekiah does the opposite of Lazarus. Hezekiah becomes all about Hezekiah. And he starts saying, aren't I something special? And the Bible shows us right there in 2 Kings 20, verse 13, Hezekiah received the Babylonian envoys and showed them everything in his treasure, houses, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the aromatic oils. He also took them to see his armory and showed them everything in his royal treasuries. There is nothing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah didn't show them. Do you get the picture? Lazarus is like, Jesus, Jesus, he healed me. I was dead. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hezekiah gets an extension and he's like, look at what I have. Look at how great I am. Look at all the gold. God gave me an extension and I took this wisdom and I'm making more money and more stuff and I'm showing it to everybody. Look at my toys. He's living a life full of pride. And then it gets even sadder. I mean, he's living the opposite of, of Lazarus. It gets even sadder. In 2 Kings verse 19, chapter 20, then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, so Isaiah says to him, come, sorry, he says, everything you have now is going to be taken away. God's upset with you. And, and he's like, all this is not going to last. You're going to get your 15 years. But you know what? After this, there's going to be imprisonment. There's going to be, your, your descendants are going into slavery and everything you have is going to be wiped out after your 15 year extension. Okay. So he gets that message. And then this is what it says. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you've given me from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking, at least there'll be peace and security during my lifetime. He gets bad news for his descendants. Your grandkids are going into slavery. Your kids are going into slavery. All the gold that belongs to God and the silver and the oils and all this stuff that's been accumulated, another king is going to come in and ransack it. But you know what Hezekiah says? At least for my 15 years, it's going to be okay. Selfish and pride Right there. So the exact opposite of what an extension should do to you. Exact opposite. And I think about this. How sad that that's the way he lived. How sad. Like, I get angry personally. Like, when I see politicians make a decision that's good for them for 15 months and bad for us for 50 years. And I see this and I think it's even worse when a Christian has been given Lazarus time or resurrection lifetime. And then we live selfish. And we live prideful. And God's like, I've given you all this. I want you to live for me. I want you to open your mouth. I want you to share the miracle. And instead we live a life like, look at my toys. Look at my stuff. Look at how great my life is. Well, it, at least it doesn't affect me. It'll just affect my kids and my grandkids if I don't go to church that often and don't pass on the faith. How terrible. How terrible. 
Every one of us has been given Lazarus time, resurrection and lifetime. We've been given the opportunity to live differently. Hezekiah should have lived like, hey guys, guys, you won't believe this. Welcome to the temple. The gold's nothing. The gold's nothing. Can I just show you? I had a boil right here. Like the boil was going to kill me. It was like, it was this big. It was this big. And God took it away and he made me 15 years. And he's the miracle working God. Do you want us to pray right now? But instead he's like, look at the gold. Look at the stuff. He missed the message. He missed, don't get a new life from God. Don't give, don't get Lazarus time and miss the message. So sad, so sad. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony should be for his glory. Now, I know when I share this, I know what's going on in, in some people's minds. You're like, oh boy, I should sell it all. Uh, I don't need a toy. I, 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 I should live in a box. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you start thinking like that, okay? So let me just put this in perspective. Living on Lazarus time, living with the resurrection lifetime that God has given to all of us you still are smiling. You still are full of joy. There was a legend around Lazarus that said he never smiled after he came back from the dead. The legend, just people in that era said after Lazarus came back from the dead, he never smiled. I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's true because when I look in John chapter 12, verses one and two, it says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany. This is after Lazarus has come back from the dead, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead, A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. I believe that he was enjoying dinner. I believe that Lazarus didn't say, Jesus, we don't have time for a dinner party. You know, we don't have time for this. It's all serious. He's like, no, I'm going to enjoy life in the midst of this. I'm going to enjoy what God, what you've given to me, and I'm going to take time for those festivals and those meals and I'm going to use up my vacation and I'm going to enjoy these things but these things don't have me I have these things but they don't have me and I use them for your glory and yep we enjoy time off and we enjoy looking at the mountains and the ocean and we enjoy these things but you know what there's joy there's there's life that's there I'll tell you why I I thought that about some people thinking this way is I was goofing off in church like uh, I don't know, I was goofing off, not in church service, but I was goofing off in some church setting. And um, I like to have fun, you know, I like to, uh, my wife teases me, she's like, you're the yes man, like, I like to do, you're like, oh, yeah, we'll do that, sure, we'll try that too, you know, like, let's go, let's do that, you know, I, I, I'm up for it. And, and I was just doing something stupid and goofy, it wasn't bad, but it was just kind of dumb, you know, stupid. And, and, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I was probably doing it with Pastor Kirk or somebody, you know, I was just having fun, you know. And, and, and this person in our church goes, I bet you our missionary that's part of Live Dead would not behave like you. Life is so serious, and I, and, and I know that missionary, and I bet they would never do anything like you are doing now. And I was just like, oh, you have no idea. And I won't say their name because I just want to protect the, not the person in our church. I would not do that. I'm saying the missionary. All right. I wouldn't say the missionary's name because I want to protect the person's identity. But I was like, you have no idea. I've traveled the world with this person. Like, this person pulls jokes all the time. This person tripped me down the stairs. Like, I fell down and hurt myself. And he laughed at me. Like, I was like, what is that? You know, I mean, this person, like, fed me bad food and laughed. Like, ha, ha. You know, like, I, I, was, like, I was like, you don't understand. Like, we have a blast. Like, we have fun. We, we are serious. We're living on Lazarus time. And we're making a difference for Jesus. But when it's time to laugh, we laugh. Then when it's time to eat, we eat. 
I mean, we've been so full, we barely can get back to the hotel. We're so full and we're having fun telling stories. And I believe that's what Lazarus was doing. I believe he was at the table with Jesus and they were having that moment. But I, and I believe up to that moment, Lazarus had the best stories. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, I was dead. Oh, here he goes again. Here he goes again. Uh, four days. I was stinky dead. Okay. So I just want you to understand. You live in that tension of Lazarus time. I want to make the most of this. But it's okay to have joy. It's okay to have life. It's okay to have a home. It's okay. It's okay to live and to be on and, and enjoy the blessings and live blessed to be a blessing. Don't let the things that are a blessing in your life, though, own you. Own those things. And if God says, give them up, give them up and move around. Like, Lord, it's yours. If you want it, you can have it. And I'm going to use it for your glory and for your honor. We want to smile. We want to live for God. We want to enjoy life. We want to make the most of giving this Lazarus time. I pray that we... Find that rhythm of grace. And if I could say one more time to Leslie, thank you for just letting us see that you prayed for an extension for Scott's life and he got some extension. But it was just like Lazarus. Ultimately, Scott's life ended and he heard his well done. Each of us, no matter what we're facing in this life, we will always pray for every miracle. We will pray for every miracle and every need. We will always do that. And sometimes we get those Lazarus time extensions and sometimes we get moved into eternity and we hear our well done. But in between that moment and now, I pray that every one of us would live making the most of Lazarus time. Let's make the most of these days. Listen to what Ephesians says. I close with this verse. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. And if you could let me interject this, like Hezekiah. Don't live like fools like those who are wise and if you let me interject this like Lazarus make the most of every opportunity in these evil days God I want to thank you for the extension you've given me for life I seriously I, I wake up and I think I got, I got metal in my chest and it keeps me alive thank God for that I'm living on Lazarus time and I pray that we'll make the most of it. I pray that we'll open our mouth. We'll go on the global teams. We'll have gigantic giving goals. We'll feed orphans. We'll start churches. We'll rejoice in opposition. We'll open up our mouth and, and, and thank God for the opportunity to live every day for his glory and for his honor. Don't waste your life. Don't waste Lazarus' time. Don't waste it. We're in between here and there. And someday we're going to die. And I pray between here and there, we live for the glory of God. So, Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to live there. What a beautiful thing that Leslie just reminded us of. You spoke it, Holy Spirit, to her, and you said, Lazarus just got an extension. And this life is so brief as it is. But when we get those extensions through miracles or medicine, God, I pray that we'd make the most of it. And we'd not go back to living old ways, but we'd live differently. God, when we get the extension through resurrection life, that you become the way, the truth, and the life to us, that our life has changed and we're living differently. God, I pray that we live in that new resurrection time, living differently. Let's live in a way that honors you. So God, I pray that this message would go deep into all of us. We live differently and we make the most of every day that you give us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.